You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. The camera two wrote, Braxton just be like, y'all niggas ready. <laughs> All right, one, two, let's go. You gonna wear your shades or what you doing? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Somebody told Mark. Okay, I'll, the I'll, man I'll, behind we, the we shades. Wait till, we wait till after this. Though. All right, all right, okay. <laughs> Nigga, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one, two, three. Hey, what's up? It's your girl Tamara, aka Girl from Harlem. And what's up, everybody? This is Ray Daniels, aka the Culture Referee. And this is the God Show. Boom, 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 boom. And we have a legend in the room. I, this is y'all gonna hear him talking more than me. I'm gonna set. I'm gonna shut up. But we have. And by the way, he's born on the day that legends are born. His birthday is the same birthday as mine. Oh. Yes, nine nineteen. Yes, yes, sir. We're gonna do something next year together. Yes. I like you know that. what I'm saying? But we have Blue M- Blue Williams. I'm not gonna curse. We have oh, Blue okay. Williams here. Woo! One of the most legendary managers in. History. I feel of like music. legendary is like an understatement at this point. Like that what? list of people he managed, my brain is still trying to digest. It. I have a funny blue story. I told him this. I'm gonna tell y'all. I remember. <laughs> so I used to when I was coming up in New York, I was like trying to get on. This guy I was working named Banja. His cousin is this young lady named Barku. Okay. And Barku was your president. Was right hand. She was, she was his right hand. So when we would go to New York, we would like make our moves and then we would go like see Barku and download what we doing we met such and such we met such and such what you think about him and she'd be like oh yeah fuck with him don't fuck with him da 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 and one day we walked in and I saw Blue cause your office is on the right yeah, I saw Blue so I walked in I'm young coming up I walked in I saw Blue office so I saw him standing there so I tried to walk up and say what's up and somebody grabbed me by my collar and was like what the hell you can't just walk in the office and then we got in Barku office and she said she answered the phone and she was like so hold on what Oh, 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 okay. Okay, cool. I, okay, I got you. They show the phone. She said, which one of y'all tried to sneak in Blue's office? <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry. I was trying to say what's up to him. She said, you can't do that. 
I was like, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to, I just want to say what's up to him. I know who he is. He managed Outkast. That's my favorite group of all time. But let's get into it, Tamara. I'm going to throw it back to you. Do your thing. Oh, yeah. So you already kind of went into it. So you um, manage Outkast, one of Ray's favorite people. But one of the things I wanted to ask you about, so um, I did some research on you, and you said that L.A. Reid didn't put a lot of um, restraints on the artist. And Ray also talks about um, working under L.A. Reid and how he let artists be artists. How did that impact how you manage artists to this day? Um, it taught me the, the artists from a creative standpoint some artists you have to give them the, the freedom to, to just go as far as they want to go and then you can draw a circle or a box around that and then package it up and sell it um, some artists don't know what they want to put in that box and that's those you got to know your artists you got to know when to lean on you know Usher was never going to go out and make an Usher album on his own it's always an A&R process it's a team thing everybody works on that Tony Braxton albums were done as a team. Outkast would go away, come back 18 months later with an album. Oh. L.A. didn't have to, he listened, but it wasn't for him to make that type of project because the guys creatively knew what they wanted to do, what the message is, they, they knew what their packaging was going to look like. All he had to do was just step back, let it rock, and then like supercharge it with money. I love that. Yeah, I know that you said y'all created like the perfect storm because you were from New York, they were from the South, and you guys balanced really well. So tell me a little bit about that. Um, so I tell people that, you know, this is 1994. I come into Atlanta. It's crazy. Um, and I was working at Flavor Unit, and I was working with Shaquem Compare, who ran Flavor Unit, Queen Latifah's manager. Um, and we came down to meet with Monica Arnold. Monica's had met Latifah. Latifah sent me and Shaquem down to get Monica for management. Um, and while we were down here, we stopped at LaFace just to stick our head in and say what's up to L.A., and L.A. told us about this new group he had called Outcast, and that they needed a manager. And so we made the call and took the meeting before we left. And so my first trip to Atlanta in the business, so to speak, uh, picked up Monica and Outcast. And so that. that's kind of how it started. I'm just telling you, I'm a fan, right? I'm like, I'm a fan right now. Like, I was going to ask you, so like you growing up and like falling in love with Outkast, right? And you said you were like a fan of him to the point where you got in trouble for even trying to sneak in there and say hi to him. So like... What did that whole rollout of Outkast, like, what stands out to you about, like... Ninth grade, Banneker High School, Outkast and Goody Mob comes to our no gym. No way. Yep, yeah. Outkast and Goody Mob, and they came with their afros, and we knew who Outkast was because Players yeah. Ball just dropped, yeah. but we didn't know who Goody yeah. Mob was. So Goody Mob had their... It was CeeLo, they had their afros, but the thing was that they were all from a rival high school. They went to Tri-Cities. I went to Banneker. So you... You kind of knew who was coming up from what school. You knew who was doing it big. But I just remember them showing up, man. And, and my, my, my best friend name was Boo Man. And I remember we waited in line to get an autograph. <laughs> well, he did. I, was, I wasn't doing it. He was online. No, no, no. No, no. Okay, back then you autographed the picture. Yes. I didn't have a picture. So it wasn't like you autographed some on paper. Yeah, yeah. You autographed oh, the picture. Yeah. So I remember we was in line. And it, exactly. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, Boo Man got to the front. And then, you know, he was like, you know, y'all can make it out to... So they was like, who should make it out to her? They was like, Boo Man. He said, Boo Man. And everybody at the table, Big Boy, Dre, Goody they was like, Boo Man. <laughs> and he said, Big Boy. And he snatched the damn picture back and walked away. <laughs> that was, <laughs> he was kind of like, don't make fun of my goddamn name, Big Boy. What are you talking about? Give me that damn shit back. And we walked away. But I remember, you got to understand something. The first time we heard Old National on a record was when... Outcast on ATL and said, Oh, National got the skanks. Like, it was like, even they said they got the skanks, I didn't give a fuck. It was like, <laughs> I was on Old National. I was like, Yes, we do, nigga, we on the map. So, 
Yeah, and I know he liked this shit. I know, I know you love what you do. You wanna know how? If I managed Outcast, Speaker Box, Love Below, and they won the Grammy and they went diamond, I would have quit. <laughs> I would have been done. It would have been like y'all can't find me no more. I know I'm not gonna get. That's rare. Double diamond album and album of the year at the Grammys. I would have been done. Y'all would have just had. To, I would have went to an island. And was like I'm. Done. I swear to God, I would have been done. That would have been it for me. Was Outcast the first group that you managed? No, the first group that I ever managed was the first group was the Fushnikins, the rap group out of New York called the Fushnikins. Um, actually, Shaq was in the Fushnikins. Yep, <laughs> the Shaq Fu. Mm-hmm. Shaq Fu. Shaq when he was rapping and I he had that. we had a video game, everything, and Shaq took us everywhere. I saw him on the City Hall show for the first time with Shaq rapping. Yeah. Y'all smooth. Y'all ain't smooth. got nothing to prove, yeah. bro. I'm a hip hopist. I'm telling you, I really do this shit. By the way, I'm not like a <laughs> like I watch Arsenio Hall. I watched the Source Awards for Outcast one. I watched the Source Awards for Outcast one, best new group or at the Source Awards with Dre said it. So I was up. It, it came out like eleven o'clock at night. It came out like eleven thirty at night. Like it was like late night. Show. I'm trying to tell you, I, I do this shit, Tamara. No, I listen. I like to think you have a hip hop computer stored in your head or something because you could just pull out. I don't know a lot about New York things. shit though. See? I'm just saying. I, I was. Just, I was. I remember. To be nice. I remember watching. Shaq was my favorite basketball player, and I remember him watching him perform. Last move, we ain't got nothing to prove on our senior hall. I remember watching it. Okay. Well, what attracted you to management? Because I know you said you started kind of being a security. Is that how you got around artists? Or um, actually, so she doesn't went up on me. The first artist I I managed was an artist named Nonchalant. She was um from five o'clock in the morning. Yep. Where you gonna be? Outside, outside on, on the, the corner. corner. Come on now. You better get you. you didn't my, think I knew that. That was my first record. That was the first artist I managed. <laughs> um but I started with Jodeci. And I started out, I was Jodeci's roadie, then I was their bodyguard, then just kinda I grew from being out with Jodeci and then I went out with Mary, then I went out with SWV, then I went out with TLC and I kind of became the, the best roadman just last bodyguard person you could take out with you. Um, but I was always kind of watching um, and learning, kind of picking up. I, I watched how the old school bodyguards did their job the right way, so I tried to learn from them. Um, I watched the managers that were managing these artists, and you just you could even then, not knowing what I would eventually learn about it, I could still see a certain level of kind of incompetence and started to feel like, I can do what they do if I just get the right opportunity. Because as a road manager, that's all you're doing. You just I'm the manager on the road. So and some of the managers would just be so lazy. You basically are managing the labels, calling you all the time. You're doing all the work. And the road so, manager don't make as much money as the real manager. <laughs> yeah, that's <the> <laughs> it's not even close. Nah, I'm on a salary. He's on a percentage. Yeah, yeah, he's on percentage. You on salary? I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's I what get I'm like. Paid each week. And I only get paid when we out. Yeah. Oh, jeez. So. So speaking about actually going on tour, I know that one of the things that changed your kind of trajectory of Outkast was you guys going on tour with Lauren Hill. Um, I know you said that they didn't really want to pay y'all, which I thought y'all were worth at the time, but you still convinced them to do it. Tell me a little bit about, um, or give some advice to artists who think that they aren't getting paid what they're worth, but still should go after things. So touring is a tricky thing. It's, it's, it's um, You have to get people to want to reach in their pocket and pay to see you. I mean, something else that they would usually get isn't getting done like this. So they really, you got to, the touring game is, is, can be tricky. Um, at the time when the Lauren offer came through, we were probably making $20,000 a night doing shows and running mm-hmm. around. We're doing all right. That's $20,000 was good money for us. Um, Lauren offered us like $5,000 a night to be on the road. 
Wow. And that was 5000 all in. Like, we had to make two of us work. We had oh, to make so that mean nobody, like, <laughs> nothing. nobody made money. <laughs> it was like one of those. I actually got fired damn near every night on that tour. <laughs> me, me and the guys argued every night on the tour because they were out there doing what I knew they would do, that they would get out there and they would kill it. So when you have, a, when you have an artist and you think your artist, if you believe in your artist and you think that they really can take the next step, you have to put them in front of bigger audiences. Right now, everybody's like her, her, her. None, nobody in here knows where her is. She's in Argentina with Argentina with Coldplay. Mm. She's doing what you do. You go up. You if when you get to a certain point, you go bigger than you, and you get their those eyeballs. Lauren had just come off of a twelve million selling Fuji's album. She was the hottest thing on the planet. So the, the opportunity to get out and be in front of her fans was worth me getting fired every night. <laughs> Like literally, we mm. argued every night about it because <laughs> it's 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 hard enough to convince your artists to go out and take less money than they were taking. It's even harder to have your artists go out there and be killing it, and they see the reactions, they see the crowd, they're like, right. So, but we came off of the tour, and we never made less than a hundred thousand a show a night. Shit. So, <laughs> because Lauren took us outside of being just a hip hop group, mm-hmm. Lauren gave us our first glimpses of. Pop world. Yeah, the you said that you different. were like booking them for venues that people typically wouldn't go to, like um, just like not like normal hip hop concerts. Like you had them doing all type of events, like not just things that are geared towards kind of black people. You had them doing everything. So, so not, I don't. I haven't talked about. So, I think as a manager, you have to. You have certain things you have to be able to. One of the main things to being a successful manager, in my opinion, is you have to be able to be honest. You have to really be able to be honest with yourself and with your artist. The first step about being honest with yourself is you have to know if your artist is able, capable of being someplace else that maybe they are. Mm. Not, not just can they make the music, but can they handle it? Can they handle what comes with it? Can they handle, because success doesn't, people think money and success makes your problems go away. Success shines a light on those problems. So if you're a real manager, you got to know what your personnel can do. You got to keep them. Your job is to protect them. Mm-hmm. So my vision originally when I got Outcast, all I wanted to do, hand to God, I tell everybody, all I wanted to do was make Outcast bigger than Tribe Called Quest and Naughty by Nature. Wow. Because my part, my boss, Shaquem, had Naughty by Nature, and my eventual partner, but someone I idolized at the time, Chris Lighty, had Tribe Called Quest. I'm a kid from the Bronx, so... Those are the two biggest groups that, like, at the time. Mm-hmm. So, for me, it was just, I, I, I want to get them to where they are. By the time I had gotten into the groove and figured out and started seeing Dre's mannerism and seeing the success of the Fugees and Lauren and stuff like that, by the time we got to Love Below Speaker Box, the reason I didn't want to retire is because I was playing, I was taking Outkast to you, too. See, I try to tell people, you gotta, like, my vision for Outkast, we didn't even get to it. I was going to make Outkast the biggest rock band in the world. Mm. Nobody's thinking, LA's not thinking about that. Nobody, that's my vision. So everything I'm doing is about how do I get to that goal? How do I turn them into you too? So that meant always being on bigger stages, always doing the work you got to do. How do we win Grammys? All right, we got to do Grammys in the schools. We got to do all the little stuff that people don't do. How do we get on like the bigger radars around the world? We got to go and do those little clubs in London and get them to rock with us. We got to go to Germany and get them to There's certain things you have to do to turn into a worldwide artist, at least mm. at the time. And so that was always the plan. And the guys always delivered. And, and as good as they always delivered, it just pushed me to have to deliver more as a manager, to extract more from the label, to get more from the distribution company, 
to get more from anybody that crossed our paths. And that's why I say it was a perfect storm because I we always had a chip on our shoulder. Outcasts had a chip on their shoulder because they felt like people didn't respect the South and they had something to say. I had a chip on my shoulder because I was always competing with my peers and everybody because, you know, New York was killing it. We had Ja Rule, we had DMX, everything. I'm home and I got to live with Bad Boy and Def Jam and all the shit they're doing. And they're not playing your shit. They're not playing my <laughs> exactly. shit. But the reason Outcast plays in New York is because I kept beating the doors down until Ebro played it, until they played us, until we started doing shows. So those are just like, as a manager, you got to fight for your artists as well. It can't just be I'm sitting around waiting for them to deliver a hit and so I can get a check. I agree. Ray, do you think that Outcast was a good representation of the South at the time? Like, how did that make you feel as a kid? Outcast is the most important rap group, the most important artist in Atlanta history. Why you say By that? far. It's not even close mm-hmm. because because they really represented what we were. Like when trap music came, that was like a new era. That was almost like, okay, niggas are selling dope, you know, but mm-hmm. Outkast was like the first people to tell us, nigga, you need to get up, get out and get something. Like it was like they was telling us how to be better. And not only that, they never stayed the same. So you got to remember who they were on Southern Playlistic with the Kango to the side and the Jersey Open to now here come ATLs where they wearing that. Uh, I don't even know what it's called. Uh, oh, Dre's been um, yeah, direct. Exactly. <laughs> no, the, the little thing that he it was the ATLs is like Nick Cannon wears it all the yeah, time. Yeah. Man. Turban. The, 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 the turban. The turban, yeah. So yeah. they was wearing the turban to to when they came with Equimini. That was Equimini was the first, only Outcast album that I wasn't in contact with because it felt like that was the first time that, and that was strategic probably where they wanted. They cared about the other regions. Mm-hmm. So they come with a record with Slick Rick. And don't get me wrong, I fuck with Slick Rick, but it was like, art of storytelling? Okay. And then they come with the record with Raekwon. And it was like, nah, nigga, like, do a record with Goody Mob. That's what we wanted. But, dog, they incredible. Okay, glad. So you already touched on some of this. You said honestly, but what are the three characteristics that all managers should have? Uh, I want both of you guys to answer this, please. Three characteristics. I think... Um, Say whatever he said. <laughs> now you copying off his nah, nah, I got you I got you I got, I'm gonna, do, I'm gonna um, come up with something I think you gotta be hungry but I think that hunger is for knowledge um, to be a successful manager it's about information it's really mm-hmm. understanding where things fit in the grander scheme where does your where does your artist fit at the label where does your artist fit in the rap game where does your artist fit like you have to be able to step back and be honest and 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 hungry to really absorb the information so you can you can kind of guide. Um, I think the, the second thing is you have to have thick skin. You gotta have, it's like being a relief pitcher. You got to understand, like, you're the first person that get blamed, gets blamed for everything. You're the last person that gets thanked. That's the story. That's your daily life. It's never you. Every every great idea is some... My barber said I should have done that. No, nigga, I was sitting right there when we said it. Great Street takes credit for that Love Below Speaker Box idea. It was totally not Great Street's idea. But it's like, I just, like, I, certain things I let me run with. But you have to be, you got to be, you got to have tough skin because you're going to deal with a lot. And you're going to deal with a lot of hate. You're going to deal with a lot of people. Everyone thinks they can do your job. Everyone thinks they know more than you. Um, people are going to be jealous. Uh, family members are going to expect you to take care of them like you the artist. It's just a lot that comes with being, and, and, and trust me, being being from New York, managing outcasts at the time, first of all, there was a complete language barrier. Mm. I know what the fuck nobody was talking about sitting around the dungeon <laughs> with all the <laughs> I sit in the room some days with all of them and be looking around like, I don't know what the fuck y'all talking about, but okay, we'll figure it out later because... 
it was just a different like language, really. Like you, especially <laughs> not this TV version. Yeah, I'm saying not this TV version, y'all. So like, I'm talking about. <laughs> The dirt, the, the OMP, <laughs> when them niggas was talking like this, the words blur. Like, I ain't know what the hell nobody was talking Shit about. Shit got down, what the fuck? You yeah, know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Did you just say you three like, things? Huh? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you just like, did y'all just say three things? <laughs> and then periodically you hear, fuck New York. You be like, oh, wait, <laughs> Heard that loud and clear. Wait, hold right, on now. Like, I know I heard fuck New York somewhere in here. So you had to deal with that as well. Um, I think the third thing that every manager has to, um, should have is, um, a psychology degree. Today, <laughs> <laughs> you do. You gotta. It's, it's um. A lot of artists are damaged. A lot of artists are coming from damaged places. That's what makes them great artists. Yeah, the the, the most damaged ones are the ones that that are the greatest. And so, you gotta learn. There's a lot of y'all know when to push, to pull. You gotta hug. You gotta yell at. You gotta throw something at. You gotta navigate. So, you know, maybe a minor in psychology will help you <laughs> navigate it as well. Ray, what you got for me? First thing I say is that uh, you got to care. Mm. You got to give a fuck. Uh, you know, it manage, managers don't usually come in making money immediately. So you got to treat them the same way you would treat them where they bringing in nothing and y'all sharing a burger. You got to treat them the same exact way when they're worth $100 million. You got to care. You got to care. So that's the first thing I would say. Uh, second thing I'll say is that you have to be alert. Uh, I remember... I remember I'll tell you a quick funny story. I remember I was managing Rock City. Well, I still manage Rock City. And we were at K-Day in L.A. And we were signed to Akon. And, you know, if anybody know, I don't think nobody in history, except for maybe Master P, has had more artists signed to them than Akon. <laughs> no, Akon had more artists. So I remember we was at K-Day, and Akon did an interview, and he was they was asking him about artists. And mind you, this is like right when we signed a convict. So they got the big convict chains on, and they was like, so Akon, man, you did a record with Lil Wayne, and he was like, Lil Wayne, Lil Wayne is amazing. He's amazing. You did a record with, he had a record with, uh, it was a record he had with Frankie, Frankie B, or Frankie B, he Spanish artist out of LA. And he was like, you got you did a record with him, and Akon was like, yeah, man, he's amazing. So, you know, I'm like listening, I'm just eardropping. And then they was like, uh, and you got a record with Baby Bash. And that's when I was like, And he said, Baby Bash is amazing. And I literally, you would have thought the world was coming to an end. I literally rushed to Rock City. It was, you know, it was everybody. It was 50 people in the room. I said, hey, I need to talk to y'all right now. And he was like, well, I said, take them fucking chains off. He was like, what? What the fuck? What's going on? I said, hey, nigga, by the time he said y'all amazing, it's not going to matter no more. He's giving the amazings away to everybody. Uh -huh. I'm a young up and coming man. What the fuck do I know that? How do I, what made me even think like that? But I just was like. Nigga, by the time you get to us, it ain't going to matter. You done gave everybody the amazings. I like that. So I say being alert is very important. You got to care. You got to be alert. And um, you got to be fucking selfless. Mm. It, there are literally people in this business that don't like me. Probably hate me, but love them. But don't know that. The only reason why you don't like me is because I stuck up for what I did, what they told me to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, yeah, you like, Ray is a piece of shit. Ray is an asshole. Nigga, that's what they wanted me to do, bro. I did what they asked me to do. But you love them, right? So you got to just, so being a manager, I think it, it puts you on your own island. And it makes you, you have to be confident in yourself. And you have to just be okay with people not liking you. Like, you know how many times I've watched people invite my people somewhere and didn't invite me? And I'm like, this is the same person that I just 
went to war with for them. Mm-hmm. But he don't want me there because he looking at me like you, you the motherfucker keeping me from them. I'm like, no, I'm not. They're the ones that's telling me if they tell me they want to do it for free, I'm going to let them. If they told me they want to do, dog, and there's nothing you have in common. You from the Bronx managing Atlanta group. I'm from Atlanta managing some, a group from the Virgin Islands. Mm-hmm. I don't know shit about, I, I don't know shit about island culture. I don't know nothing. Mm-hmm. All I know is them. So I'm dealing with Virgin Island people and I'm treating them like, dog, Virgin Island people would talk to me like I wasn't shit. Like, hey boy, let me tell you something. And I'm like, and I took it. Why? That's they people. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're a cousin, if you're a friend, if you stuck up for them in elementary school, I just got to take it. So they've been so the reason why I'm so confident in myself is because I had to sit on the sideline and watch my people be celebrated without me knowing that the only reason why you celebrate them is because work that I did that they wanted me to do. So you gotta be okay with not being liked. You gotta be okay with being selfless. You gotta be you gotta be okay knowing that no matter what he said, if he said it and Andre said it, it means two totally different things. <laughs> and mind you, this could be the same exact thing. He could be screaming, I want this, I want Bob, ha, ha. And Andre don't, he's screaming because what Andre said. But Andre come around and be like, hey, man, that's what I want to do. Everybody's going to be like, give him what he want. Mm-hmm. So you just got to remember, it's like, you last. It's, but you got to be okay with that, though. And you, gotta, you have to realize that, so I've, I've been blessed. I've been hot longer than most people have been alive. I've gotten cold. I've been hot. It just comes with the, the territory. But you also got to remember, you're dealing with a lot of personalities in the industry People that were corny and nerds in high school and other shit like that. The niggas had no swag about them. And the music industry gave them swag. And a lot of them started to believe that that swag is real. Yeah. So you occasionally have to remind people, like, yo, you know what? You, I see you. Yeah. I see who you really are. Don't get besides the persona yeah. out there in public. But it come, you got to get used to... Look, Clive Davis has a, a Grammy party every year. Every year he has his Grammy, his big Grammy party. I will give you the best example of having of how you can get humbled. Outcast, hot, drops an album, we're all invited. Outcast, no sitting album, on the floor, not doing nothing. Yeah, sitting great seats, sit great seats. No album in between is a down album cycle. No invite. Album's hot, we invited front row. No album in between cycle, not even invite. That's how it's going to go. L.A. When we were the highest group of the world, I was at LA's every birthday, yacht party, summer <laughs> things. That's just what it is. And if you get caught up in that, you start to think, oh, these people are really my friends. Mm. You think, oh, they really fucks with me. They don't. <laughs> they don't fuck with you. They only got 50 seats, brother, and you, and you bringing money to the table. You That's why you got one. The table. They fucks with you right now because your artist is hot. And some people have to learn that the hard way, and some people don't recover from it. And those that last in this business quickly realize that it is a business, it's not personal, and people that smile in your face every day really don't care about you. Hardest part to learn. And they and if they don't care about your group, you damn sure don't give a fuck about, about you. you. Yeah. <laughs> you could, they don't care nothing. So let's talk about some of the artists that you've managed. So we got Outcast, like, this is a, it's a long list. I'm not going to go through all of them, but just to name a few. Outcast, SWV, CeeLo Green, Big Sean, Faith Evans, Genuine, Donnell Jones, Jagged Edge, Monica, Nick Cannon, um, who did you learn the most? CeeLo Green, Casey Jojo, Nas. Keep, oh, you want to keep going? Young Bloods, I'm just saying. Oh, Keith okay. Murray. My God. It's this I'm saying. I want y'all to see. This why I don't, shit like this is what you see. And that's like looking up the mountain, like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> ah, damn, you got to, that's a long, that's a long list to climb. So who did you learn the most from out of all the people that you've managed? I learned the most from managing Outcasts because it was such an extensive journey. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I had to knock off a lot of groups to get to where we had to. People like Bone Thugs and Harmony, um, the Loonies, Crucial Conflict, 69 Boys. So, like, we went through a lot of artists that were either out before us or so you were a lot of fights. We were signed to an R&B label, The Faces and the Rap label. I didn't have the benefits that Jay and all of them had being signed to Def Jam. Culture wasn't even there. So I learned the most because of Outkast because the journey was so vast. And so that would be probably, that would be my answer on who I learned the most from. Who do you think that you taught the most to? Oh, all of them. None of them are shit without me. <laughs> Love that answer. That's a very New York answer. I just um, want to say that. <laughs> who would I teach the most to? Um, I mean, besides Outkast, but Nick Cannon, um, Case, Life Jennings, um, those that want to learn. Those that understand this business and wanted to learn. I believe that, like, so Shaquem and Queen Latifah have been together for over 30 years. Unheard of. People don't, it just doesn't last. I've seen everybody try and break them up. They stay on the same page because they communicate. Mm-hmm. It's important that your artist understands what's real. Like, so some young managers need to hear this. Some old managers know exactly what I'm talking about. You have to manage without fear of being fired. When you let these little artists realize that they're your bread and butter, they will treat you like that. Uh-huh. And so when they know that you're their only way of making money, then they buck up. But when artists know need I'm me. good with or without you, keeps a balance. They're so nice to you. Yeah, you keep a balance because you keep mutual respect. Dana and Shaquem have always had respect, but he also understood how important it was that they were on the same page. So she's in L.A. in a meeting, and he's in Nebraska in a meeting. They're saying the same thing. It's, you don't keep your artists. Like you, you should have intelligent artists. You want to educate your artists. That's real. Say that again. You need your artists to be smart so they know how to handle situations. Your artists are going to get invited to places that you're not going to get invited to. When CeeLo got hot, CeeLo was in rooms. He, he was like, oh, snap. But he had gotten some of the training because he had been in Nas Barkley. And with Nas Barkley's success, he kind of got that peak. But when, like, fuck you hit and we were on The Voice and all that, it changed everything. So there was a lot of talking because if you're in a room with Lorne Michaels, who's the head of Saturday Night Live, you need to know who he is and you need to know that when you talk to him, you should talk about you hosting the show or something. Mm. If you don't know who it is, then you're just going to blow him off. Exactly. So it, it, a good manager should, should always be one to teach his artists about the, the game, but you should also be willing to listen. Too, because I always tell artists I don't pick songs. I don't do. I'm not an A and R type manager. Some managers want to be in there. I don't get on the stage. I don't have to perform it, so I'm not going to tell you what song you should do. Like you got to get on there and sell that to the people. But oh. when it comes to marketing and selling what we're, we're packaging, I don't let anybody be better than me at that. So oh. I'm going to tell you why we're doing this. Look, we're going to do this, then we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. You gain your artist trust by doing those things. That's the real You deliver shit. three, four times in a row, they start to trust you. Yeah. When you gain that trust, now it's like any relationship. You just don't fuck up the trust. Yeah. And admit you and, and admit when you're wrong. Yeah. Like, and that's okay, by the way, because nobody's right the whole time. But admit when you're wrong, because they like accountability. You doing that makes them do that. That makes a relationship better. I fucked up. Then it makes it easy for them to say, I fucked up. Yeah. I didn't see that. I didn't I, yeah. you know, that one snuck up on me. I didn't yeah. see it or whatever. Take take the hits, but also don't become a punching bag. Mm-hmm. At a certain point, you always have to remind somebody. I'm a grown ass man. Mm-hmm. 
don't <laughs> don't buy nothing and don't buy nothing after the check come in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all. Oh no, nah, no, I'm dead serious. Like, cause cause artists see this is the thing that you understand about being a manager. Being a manager, your check comes from them. Right, unless you're smart and you get LODs, you know. But if you Hold ain't, on, what's the LOD? Letter direction. direction. It's just so. So it's basically like, say if I do a business, do a deal with you, um, you're my artist, and I sign to Blue. I'm gonna say, sign, send her her cut, and send me my cut. So that way, it never hits if your I hand. If I send you a hundred dollars, and you're supposed to send him twenty. Him getting that twenty is a pain ass. You start thinking about, oh man, I gotta do this. He's uh, like, you yeah. done counted that money. Yeah, nah, get my if twenty. You never see that money. It makes I, it easier. We don't got no problems because yeah. once it's in your account, ah, oh, damn, I gotta sign this check. And, and it, when you start big numbers, yeah, artists get a ten million dollar check, and they gotta write you a two million dollar check. Mm-hmm. It comes way now. Different. Motherfuckers want to question all you did. What you do? And not only that, and don't go buy your girl a car because they're gonna be like, I bought this bitch that car. That's how they think. Mm. Am I trying? Definitely don't get the same uh, car. Don't, don't, yeah, don't yeah. get nothing. No, because if you do cars. it, they're going to they're yeah. going to say that you. I are, did that. Yeah. He got that. He got that from me, and you can't. And that's the worst thing that can happen because it's just at the end of the day, like as a, a manager, you have to always no, remain bigger. Dynamics. You have to always remain it's, bigger. Remember, the point of our our job is to make you be the star. Be the star. Mm-hmm. Which, but if you go out there and believe what's happening out there. That means when we come home, you treat me like, bitch, shut up. I got a question. It's like they're cheering for me, not you, but you got to remember. So the, to me, the job is always to remain, remain bigger. What was Diddy? Because he was like. He wasn't a manager. Oh, okay. manager. Mark Piss was the manager. Okay. Yeah. And Wayne Barrow. Puff was the boss. That's why Puff no matter. The personality. No matter what they do, you, you can't get rid of him. <laughs> but so he's, he wasn't the artist. You ever heard people time? say free, free deluxe? Free this person? Why are they saying free that person? Not because they can't fire his ass. <laughs> they need him to sign off on something for them to get free. He the boss. I get it. Wait, I want to ask a question. <laughs> go back a little bit. So um, you just mentioned that you managed Nas. Were you not a? Wait, were you not? A, were you managing him during the time that Ether came out? No. Oh. Okay. And actually, I I think Ether's overrated. So. Ooh. My dog, my dog, uh, my dog, you gotta, we just had this argument. I just said this on the last show. When you say overrated, like in what sense? The overrated? beat was crazy. The verses were okay. Okay. I had to hold my breath on that one because somebody from New York made the beat. And, you know, I was gonna my man. Ron Rouse. He was on the show yesterday. He was on the show last week. Yeah. To his face. <laughs> yeah. The beat, you saved that nigga. Without the beat, he would have got completely destroyed. Okay, the beat so. kept him hot. Um, if you were going to give Nas any advice during that time, if you were to be managing at that time, what would the advice have been? I'm, um, during Ether? Yeah. I probably would let him rock at the time. That was where hip hop was at. Yeah. I managed Nas when, so I was managing Nas when, um, he wanted to put out the nigga album. Mm. And that's why we stopped managing each other. Like, so I like, <laughs> I was like, I'm not Doing the nigga album. And him and Khalees is on front red carpet with the nigga on their shirt. And they yeah. was telling, and he was, they was basically kind of like, yo, you bugging, like, we gonna do this and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, like, I can't, like, do that. That ain't. And actually, a funny story, I got called, right after <laughs> I stopped working with, with him, I get a call from Clarence Avon. Clarence Avon is the godfather to we so all, many of us. Y'all yeah, better know, you know him. If you don't know him, you should find out who he is. There's a special on Netflix on him. Um, so Clarence calls me. He's like, yo, hold on, I gotta get somebody on the phone. I go, all right. But he jumps on the phone. It's him and Bill Cosby. Oh, wow. For the next 45 minutes, Bill Cosby and Clarence Avon cursed me the fuck out, telling me that you niggas are stupid. How the fuck do you <laughs> put out a record called Nigga? Niggas can't be going in the motherfucking store asking for a nigga album. What the fuck is y'all niggas doing? Like, 
45 minutes, Bill Cosby and Clarence cursing like sellers. Finally, I'm like, yo, fellas, I agree with you. <laughs> like, I, I quit because I'm not dealing with it. <laughs> All right, then, then we'll talk to y'all later. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Well, like, since we agree on that. Yeah, since, oh, okay, we thought you was doing this stupid shit. Nah, you ain't click and hung up on me. So, yeah, I think you, the, my advice to Nas with that project was that I got why he wanted to do it. And again, mm-hmm. I've supported Dre in underwear and fucking rainbow things. I've supported him. Like, I'm always going to support. I put CeeLo on stage in a fucking bird outfit. Like, I, freedom of expression, I don't give a damn about. You put a record out like, nigger, you got to stand in that. You can't drop that record and then go back to the crib and just be like, I'm going to No, you got to go on every TV show. You need to explain your message and do that. And at the time, he wasn't going to do it. And he did exactly what I thought. Him and Khalees get up on the red carpet with nigger shirts, and that's the moment. Make, make it a clown event. It didn't, it didn't work. So I think in that instance, um, that would have been my advice for him. You kind of touched on it, but how involved are you in marketing for the artists that you manage? I am the marketing for the art star manager. Oh, wow. I've never heard a manager say that. Every manager has a superpower. Some managers is like known for like touring. Like, like for example, when, when, when Tory Lanez came up, Tory Lanez's manager was a touring agent. Mm-hmm. That's why he was, that's why he had such a big touring base. Some managers is music. Like I was a music guy manager. I don't know yeah. shit about marketing. That's why we have Shayna here. <laughs> I don't know shit. <laughs> I know, I understand how to make you like something, but I, they, that's meticulous what he's mm-hmm. talking about. That's meticulous. This comes, this comes, this comes. This. I don't know how to do that. I'm, I'm, I, by the time you get to the third this, I'm like, man, I'm bored as fuck, man. <laughs> Can we talk about something else? Y'all don't hear that beat playing? So every, every manager has a superpower. I like that. The, um, so what are the differences between managing, or are there any differences between managing hip-hop artists, R&B artists, or pop artists? Um, so management is the same across the board with all three. Your job is going to be your job to protect your artists, um, protect their vision, get their vision through to the label, get the project out, sell records, get them on the road. That job is the same. Your budgets are different. Mm. And that's really where you uh, understand the difference. So, <laughs> I know he was going to go there. I thought he was going to go somewhere else. Nah, I'm let's cut to the chase of it. Your rap project, especially like your rap project budget was this. Your R&B project was this. Which, your pop album. Which one is... Well, pop is probably bigger. Pop is the biggest. And what's second? Um, R&B used to be. Now it's rap. Yeah. R&B is the smallest. R&B artists be lucky to get... They be expecting R&B artists to go out there and compete with rappers. Just go out there with a mic and yeah, a DJ. Yeah, a mic, but not. Nah, R&B used to be more because you used to always make sure they had a band. You had to rehearse them. There's wardrobe. There's just a lot more to an R&B band. Um, so managing the three are kind of different... On rap and R&B, you're going to see the same people because you're going to the same radio stations, doing the same interviews, you're doing all that. In the pop lane, you cross over and you're doing more. You see more white people. That's really what it comes down yeah. to. A lot more white people. A lot, lot more smiles. More yeah, a lot, lot more, more teeth. Everywhere you go, TV. you're seeing teeth. Yeah, so that's kind of the biggest difference. But the job is, is generally the same. Um, when you manage big pop artists, you do a lot more explaining. Mm. It's easy when, you know... I just had to find a couple of heroes at LaFace that got outcast. So I had Shanti Das, you had Sherry Ugly, you had KP. So we had other allies in the building. So they'd run up to tell LA, you're like, this is what we need to do. Exactly. When, when you imagine Macy Gray, who's a pop artist that the white people get, but then the black people don't get. Or if you imagine an artist that the black people get, but the white people don't get, you do a lot more of explaining from the managers because you need them to get what the hell they're, they're supporting. I ask a question. I, let me. What was your "I made it" moment? 
when you said, I'm in this shit. Because I feel like, I say that because I feel like most, I don't know about how it was when you were coming up, but when I was coming up, I saw so many people that was hot and then wasn't no more and was out the game. So for me, I never felt like, I don't think I felt like I made it till I was like 10 years in the game. Um, I gotta, I gotta think, I think, um, well, you knew that this was what you were doing. Like, this is my, you know, my career. Um, uh, hmm, that's a, that's an interesting one. Cause I think the moment where I think I, I finally gave myself enough leeway to say I, I had done a good job was when we won the Grammy for Love Below Speaker Box. Um, but probably before that, when I realized like, you know, I'm kind of good at this. And, you know, I think what, I think when I really started to get is when people started comparing family tree to violator and flavor Union and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think that's kind of when, cause when I came up, I didn't even know about flavor Union. It was, it was violating family tree. Those were the two management companies. You was, if you was big, you was with one of those two. Yeah. You make, uh, and, and someone said something to me a long time ago and I think it always stuck in the back of my head, which is make your idols, your rivals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what drove a lot of my career was, you know, making those people that I looked up to respect me. Mm. That's really good advice. Um, so I want to start talking about um, managing artists with mental health issues. Um, have you ever we worked? All have mental health issues. <laughs> I know. Well, you, you, well <laughs> no, it's different than just like. I don't know. But anyway, have you ever worked with an artist that ha- you don't have to tell us who um, a mental health issue and how do you kind of like schedule around those type of things? They all have mental health issues. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. You either have they either have mental health issues that they're aware of or they have mental health issues that they don't know they have yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and your management is is guiding that process. Um, Macy Gray is bipolar. Um when she's on her meds, she's a certain way. But when she's not, she's going to be a different way. As a manager, you got to kind of be aware. So you have to learn the signs. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's an easy one because Macy will talk about it. She's come, like, you kind of, all right, I'm crazy. This is what you got to deal with. Yeah, okay, I can deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of artists don't know they have problems. A lot of artists don't know this, they're living with PTSD. A lot of artists don't understand why they react a certain way or why they behave a certain way when they get success or why they... they um, they start to, to be scared of going on stages and, and things like that. Um, and a lot of that comes from never dealing with things, always just packing more stuff on it. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, with more success, your, your problems turn in, like that packing in his work, it turns into like a jack-in-the-box. Mm. And so that shit's just going to pop out at the least <laughs> opportune time. Right. So you have to know. So I, I believe that that this is supposed to be like, this is not a real job. None of what we do is a real job. Let me put it in perspective. My mother was a principal in the South Bronx for 25 years. She taught, she taught Fat Joe. She's a principal in the South Bronx for 25 years. She had a real job. My mother had to deal with crack kids. I mean, she, my mother had a job. This is not a job. What I get, this is a, a blessing that I get to do. Yeah. I graduated from college in 90, I left college in 92, 91, 92. My friends left college and went and worked at Ford. They went and did real jobs. So the first perspective is to keep in the fact that this is a blessing and it's, it's an opportunity to do what we do. When you kind of keep an eye on that, it's easier to also pay attention to make sure that your artist is having fun. 
I'm a fun guy when we're on the road. I'm I'm drop, I'm stopping the bus at Great Adventures, Six Flags. I'm like we need to enjoy some of this because it's hard to work when you're not enjoying it. Mm-hmm. If it's just draining you, you don't want to do it. So as a manager, you need to be able to see your artists and mentally figure out, all right, they're getting worn out or what they need. Yeah, what do they need to kind of you know send them back out? So that when I say they're all mentally ill, it's because they are mentally challenged because they're trying to tap into something creatively and then express it and then take the criticism that comes with it. And so that hits people differently. Social media is the worst thing that ever happened to artists. It is. I've, 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 in the last 10, 15 years, I've never seen more artists' emotions go up and down as you can when you see an artist come off a stage rocking 25, 30, 40,000 people. Get off the stage get in the car, everybody's like, yo, you're the greatest thing ever, blah, blah, blah. Y'all in the car, we ride into the airport. And then you look across, and you're like, why is this nigga's face all scrounged? What the hell? This nigga then got to the 325th comment where someone said, that shit was whack, and he should have done this one. And that's, unfortunately, what people's minds lock into. We all do it. If you go through your comments, you're going to skip all the nice shit people say about you. You're going to see that person that said that rude shit or something, and you're going to either want to respond or whatever. It's just... It's something about it. Artists get it worse. That's why some of them are great trolls. 50, some of them, like, they just ain't going to let it fly. You say something about 50, the 37th comment on some post, he's going to be like, yo, who the fuck? Like, exactly. That's who he is. But some artists don't take it like that, and it bothers them. And and you got to look at it from this standpoint. Artists' whole existence is, it's not like acting, where you can make a movie, and who gives a fuck? You are working out. Artists' whole existence is based on approval. The whole existence is based on people saying, I, I fuck with you. So they have the most insecurities out of anybody. That's why they fire people. That, it's not they firing you because they don't like you. They're firing you because they're like, I need someone to tell me how to do it right. Or they find you because they just don't believe they're doing it wrong and they need somebody to blame. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's never their fault. Like, that's the other thing. It's never the artist's fault until it's their fault. Pretty much. That's how it is with everybody. But um, so you mentioned a little bit about social media being one of the worst things that happen to artists nowadays. Um, but how has the Internet impacted how you manage? Does it affect how you deal with artists and media? How has social media changed from like clearly how you manage as WV would be completely different than how you manage somebody now? So like how has social media played a role in that? Um, I hate it. Just to be honest, it's, this shit is the worst thing that ever happened. Um, <laughs> it's, it's it's goofy. It's it's kind of like so. And I I, t- I touched on it when we were talking before. Like so, when I came up, everybody wanted to be the best at what they want. Like so, you gotta remember, Outkast wanted to be DOS Effects. They wanted to be naughty. They wanted to be that. Um, like Jay wanted to be Big, da- Big Daddy Kane. Ludacris wanted to be like you wanted to be somebody that was good. Yep. And you went in the studio and you wrote and you worked on your craft to be better than that. Then there was a switch. And the switch became, I don't have to be making great music and be good. I just got to be, I just want to be famous. It's hard to manage fame and popularity because it wanes. It's easy to manage a career that's just focused on putting out good music because I just got to find the people that fuck with your music and we just, we going to grind it out together. But if your whole career is, is about acceptance from a little box and and that's your value is based off of that, it's hard for me to manage because before the internet, 
the worst thing that any manager had to deal with was pillow talk. Mm. That was the most dangerous thing in any manager's career was pillow talk. Because at the end of the day, that boyfriend that's sleeping next to her or that, that girlfriend that's in the bed, they're going to get that last word in. I don't care if you left them at 1159. At 12.05, she's going to be like, oh, that motherfucker said this? And exactly. That was dangerous because you couldn't really tell what was going on. The internet is just like one big-ass pillow talk. Everyone got an opinion. Everybody's telling you stuff. I'm, I'm comparing to everybody else <laughs> on there. Like, it's really, it's made the game harder to manage. And it's harder to find, like, really talented artists are not getting explosion and not getting their shots out here. And it's frustrating because you see artists that really aren't talented, that are winning because they're playing a different game. So for me, it's not as much fun anymore because it's not a fair fight for me. You could have given me any of those artists I managed. Every one of those artists, there was a fight or I had to fight for them, whatever. And I will fight for my artists to the end of time. If you if you bring me your album and I believe in your album and we're on the same page, I run up in any label. I run. Up, I'm a fight. I'm gonna get us what we need. I can't even fight that fight anymore. But 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 I just jump. Here's the thing: because when you fought, you fought the label. You fought media you fought radio you fought people that you had to come see now you're fighting everyone yeah and not only that not only are you fighting everyone everybody's fighting everyone yes. and also see that you can get to a 10 anybody can get to a 10 with real hard work and 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 going for it but i can see you're bad but because of how the new industry works i can't afford to tell you you're bad so i have to tell you how great you are because i need you to sign with me so I'm telling you how amazing you are, how good you are, how dope you are, and everything. And now once I get, now when I sign you, it's like, okay, now I got to tell him the truth. And now when I tell him the truth, he's looking at me like, oh, you fake as fuck. No, no, it's not that. It was just, I didn't know how to, I was doing my job. The new music business, the A&Rs are chasers now. So because they're chasing, they're chasing everything. It's hungry, hungry hippos. Anything go viral, they on it. Everything go viral, everybody's trying to get you. So these artists who haven't done any real work, any real development, are going viral, and then everybody's trying to sign them. And now they're thinking, I'm the shit. We don't even know how. We don't even know. Uh, we don't even know what the 18 month plan is. We, yeah, we, I think we got a, we got an 18 day plan. We yeah, trying to get the goddamn trying to get the rolling loud, and we're gonna try to you know we want that. But the new music business. That's why I wanted to talk to Blue because I'm like, I just, I came up under Blue, but I know how it was. You had to be great. You had to be focused. And as long as you didn't cheat the process, you had a fucking shot. Mm -hmm. Now, none of that matters. You just got to be able to maintain attention. And you can maintain arrogance. it. Yeah. It, arrogance to it. When, look, part of why I've survived this long is because, you know, I'm going to say what other people are scared to say. I don't care. I've had the same number since 97. I tell people, you know where to find me. Like, if I came out of my mouth, I'm not. I look at Little Nas X, right? And I know you're not supposed to touch on, ooh, we're not supposed to, this is third rail because you're not supposed to talk about, fuck that. Let's keep it 100. Like, Little Nas X got to perform at the BET Awards his, his first year off of one record. Mm -hmm. They gave him a platform. Mm -hmm. Then later, they gave him a platform for another performance, all right? This year, because he didn't get nominated, it's fuck BET. We would have never done that. That's what I'm saying. Like, the level of arrogance, you would have never done that. Like, like the reality is, they gave you the platform that got you here. Yep. And now, in your third year, you and your feelings, because you didn't get nominated. And let him would, do whatever. He and was, let you do whatever the hell yeah. you want to do. And, and keep it 100. The album isn't a good album. But you run around there like you got some Grammy-deserving album, and somebody, like... Like played you. Jack Harlow had a better record or whatever. Like, like, like I'm just saying. Like, there's a certain arrogance to that. 
these followers and these likes are giving artists to that it's so hard for you to manage or, or, or keep in a perspective because it's almost like, yo, they don't owe you this shit and they will pull the plug on this shit on you. And if you ain't done no touring and establish some people like, yo, this is a great show, Anthony Hamilton don't got to get a record playing on the radio at all. He's going to fill up every time he come through the venue because people know they're going to get a good show. Mm-hmm. A lot of these artists ain't giving you good shows. So when that record's gone now, all them likes and everything that you had, you can't fill up the Fox. At some point in time, you got to stop being a trick. Like, like at some point in time, it's like, okay, we tricked the game, we tricked the game, we tricked the game, we tricked. And at some point in time, you got to be like, I don't want to be a trick no more. I want to be the real deal. Like, what I got to do to be the real deal? Well, you got to go do this, do this, do this, do this. And now the game is just, what's my biggest? I'm telling you, an artist is going to commit suicide the week their album drops. <laughs> on video and they're gonna go number one and they're gonna sell I'm just like cause it's like what everybody's trying to pull out a trick mm-hmm. out the out the hat like I gotta do this and it's like bro I just let Blue it's talk not enough, it's, it's not mm-hmm. enough about the art anymore it's too much of the gimmicks I know for a fact I know a New York rapper that got had one of his boys shoot him so he could have <laughs> get shot so he could say he was shot I know for a fact the nigga had his man shoot him in his ass um how do you feel about the 21 Savage comment about... I'm just saying, cats is out here doing anything. <laughs> they out here doing anything. Sell records. Like, we do anything for clout. Goody Bob told you. Can I hide under the table? Go, go um, wait, okay. So 21 Savage had a lot to say about Nas, I guess because he felt like him and Drake's album is doing so good right now. So he felt like Nas is irrelevant. How do you guys feel about that in the younger generation? Kind of... I wouldn't... Yeah, how do you feel about it? I'll let y'all. Nas is irrelevant to 21 Savage fans. He's not irrelevant to me and our generation. It, the music history, like, the game's kind of gotten weird. It's like, I'm, it's not supposed to be old heads versus young heads. Mm-hmm. Your fans are your fans. They're younger, they like different things than what Nas's and Jay's and, and Eminem's and Buster's fans look like. I don't know why all of a sudden it's, it's going at one another. Nas's album, the Skate 3 album, is a good album. Mm-hmm. If you're a Nas fan and you're you're a hip hop fan and you want to hear raps, if you're in the mumble mode, then you may like this. Or if you want to hear Drake spend twenty albums talking about all the money he has, all of it, like it's a different. We like different things. It shouldn't be a competition with each other. We should be able to say Nas has a good album, Twenty One has a good album. They're different artists. It's like I, it, it's not a competition. People used to be like, "Oh, Migos is the new Outkast, or Migos is better than Outkast." No. It's not. We're not going to do that. We're going to... Migos is Migos. Rock out. Did their damn thing. Outcast was Outcast. I don't see... But I don't know why 21 Savage would feel that like he... Why go with Nas? Because Nas, Nas ain't said nothing about you. I think it's because they he, dropped the no, same. No, he, they dropped he, the same. Yeah, they dropped the same, but so what? So he, what happened was, was that he basically said... He was basically saying Nas ain't relevant right now because he was really saying that Nas doesn't have to go placate to the world. Nas has a fan base, and when they drop, they're going to fuck with him, and that's all that matters. So he don't have to be... Re- like, Jay-Z's not relevant if that's the case. Like, what makes someone relevant? What makes someone relevant is... is, is To me, it was just people on the internet. Mm-hmm. I believe everybody too fucking sensitive. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, if somebody, if somebody said... The God Show is the worst podcast in the world. I'll be like, man, at least they talk about us, man. What the fuck? I, I, I'm, you watched an episode, but guess what? They might it, it might make people go watch it. Mm-hmm. I don't mind. Like, I don't think none of us would see, know the Hebrews, the Negroes documentary if they didn't make a big deal out of Kyrie posting it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Y'all made it, number one, by making it a story. So for me, it's like, I just feel like we got to stop being so fucking sensitive. 
21 said he would never disrespect. 21 is actually one of the only young rappers out here who really is disrespectful and a stand-up guy. So he was on Clubhouse talking shit. It wasn't like he said it in the interview. He was talking to his friends. And I think he got caught up and was like, oh, sometimes you say something, you're like, I didn't mean to say that. And he, and he apologized. He was like, yo, I would never say that about Nas. Keep it moving. So keep it moving, Harlem. I think, I think we also got it. We all have to take a step back and, and stop going for the clickbait. We got to stop. Like, we know it's clickbait and you still click it, but you got to look under the surface sometimes and really be like, all right, like you just said, the context that it was set in, now it makes, okay, he wasn't that, but I think it's important to look at it, even to the Kyrie thing. Reality with the Kyrie thing is, for all the hype and everything they're putting on Kyrie, that people are still and have the entire time been dancing around the fact that Amazon is the platform that it's on and that Jeff Bezos is making money off of this being rented or seen while Kyrie's being persecuted and has to sit out, Bezos is being offered to buy the Phoenix Suns or and the, Was- the and Washington Commanders. So if you really want to cut to the chase of it, like it's easier to go at the black man and 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 make it seem like oh he did something bad because what we really don't want is we don't want the rest of you niggas to start doing the same thing. So we need to keep y'all in check. We accept that this white guy is selling this story and doing everything. I dropped the first bomb ever in my life on this show. That was my first time I pressed the bomb button. He's telling the truth. I think we have to get back to some sense of, um, look, we, we are the only people out here that are allowed to talk the type of mess we talk to ourselves in our own communities and do it. If Jack Harlow tomorrow switched up and started talking the same thing that a lot of our artists are saying about two white people, they would cut him in a day. You never hear from Jack Harlow again. We just need more OGs in the room to tell us there's a penalty to every reaction. There's a penalty or there's a reward to every action. I remember uh, D-Dot, who I got in the business with, he tells a story about when they put him on How to Rob. And, you know, they came to him and was like, yo, here's his How to Rob record. You know, we want you to sing the hook. And Dot was like, yo, I'll sing the hook, but y'all know son is going to have some real problems, right? Mm-hmm. And they was like, yeah, but this is him. And, you know, he 50 got shot nine times after that. Like, like at the end of the day, you are the, the energy you put out. And we got We need more of that in our culture. Like, I don't mind you saying that, but as a man, I should tell you the penalty of saying that. Mm. Yo, it's probably gonna be some people that's gonna come after you for saying that. I remember I was in a staff meeting and they played this little mixed kid saying nigga on every song, nigga, and it's like it's going viral. And I, you know me, I'm a black man. I'm looking. I don't see nobody darker than me in the video. <laughs> Everybody is light. Every kid, they, they, they these the beige children. You know, I call them the beige children. And and then you know they was like it's crazy. And then you know they turned off the song. And I'm in the staff meeting. And I'm like looking around. It's like forty people in the room, maybe four blacks. And I'm kind of like, hello. Y'all know he gonna get fucked up if he put that. <laughs> if we put money behind that song. No, but his his dad is black. Hey. He ain't grow up in a black household because if he did, he would have known he needed some real niggas standing next to him while he was doing this song because you're going to get tried in our business. That's the difference. Go ahead, T. Um, I have one more question for you guys, and then you can ask anything, and then I'm going to go into closing. Um, Do you guys, and both of you guys, like I said, um, do the artists that you sign, do they have to have a following for you to sign them nowadays? No, I don't. I think I'm I'm too old because I don't even think about the following to sign them like that. I really just... Do they, have, do they have a vision for who they want to be? Like, so what I'm not good at is I can't give you your vision. Like, I'm great if you have a vision and I need to amplify your vision. Execute it. So if you have little followers or a lot of followers, fine. If you, I can see your vision and I can buy into your vision, I, the followers isn't for me. Now, 
that makes me a relic in today's game because the labels aren't buying in division. They are like, they ain't got no numbers. We ain't got no money. Yep. But um, nah, I like from a manager standpoint. Well, the reality is this: this is the hardest time to be a manager it's ever been. Mm. And I say that because, like, you have to do it all. The labels are doing less and less work. Artists relying more and more on you. You having to invest earlier to even get them to the point where you can make some money. Um, there's so many stupid managers out there. It's like homeboy shopping network management is the worst thing that's <laughs> happened to the game. Just because the nigga's standing next to you the day you get your deal doesn't mean he should be your manager. That's if real. everybody wants to be smart, like, it's, it's a, there's a lot of not learning from examples that are going on. Like, if you, let's use LeBron. LeBron took, got a deal, sent his friends to college so that they could come out and run his businesses. Do the same thing. If your best friend is your man when you get a deal, well, while you're recording, send him to business school. Or do something to educate him besides the simple fact that, oh, that nigga can count when we were selling dimes. Drake did the same thing. Yeah, but when you're smart, your team doesn't have to be as smart. Teach them how to be smart. Or don't be mad when you your managers and you are getting robbed later by the label <laughs> because he never read the contract and you never read the contract. <laughs> and you got the lawyer that your boy, your mom was dating who was a corporate lawyer and had never seen a record deal. That's real. And he let you sign off on some deal. And that it didn't have to be like that. We have all made these mistakes so that these kids don't have to make the mistakes. That's real. But at a certain point, you have to be willing to listen to older heads. Like, at some point, one, old heads got to stop complaining about how, like, whack it is right now. This ain't, my, my, this ain't our time. Mm-hmm. This music is for this time. Yep. Y'all are making different music than we made. We were getting high and partying. Y'all are getting high and are sad and depressed. And I don't understand the fucking correlation, but I can't. It's not for me. Like, rap wasn't for my mom. Exactly. My mother was looking at this like, what is this shit? Nigga, put the Commodores on. Like, <laughs> that wasn't for So you have to age out of shit. You have to gracefully age out. I like that. And, and, and take a higher position of maybe advisor, passing on knowledge. I, I would honestly say the worst thing that we did in hip hop, and I, and I talked to my peers that, like from the 90s and 2000s, is, is we have to take responsibility for where the game is right now. First of all, all of us were selling crack. Why don't we think this is a generation of crack babies out here that are goofy? These are the mamas who you were selling These crack are, you're to. selling crack to them. Oh, so you have a generation of crack babies that have come of age. Stop shoving them away. That's what your, that was your work. When we got money, they brought cribs. Oh, we're going to do cribs. At the time, we were new niggas with money. So cribs was our way. Oh, shit, we made it. We didn't realize that we were teaching an entire generation that that's what mattered. Because there was no guidance. Like, I tell people... That 90s, we were the first generation of cats to get money. Yes. So we didn't know how to have money. So we made mistakes. And the mistake, one of the main mistakes we made was we made the mistakes look cool. Mm-hmm. We made it look like, yo, it's all about the floss. It ain't about the substance. So you have a generation that came up behind us that thinks it's all about the floss. It's not about the substance. And mm. it's on us to try and communicate and teach them Yo, y'all are getting pimped crazy way more than we ever did. <laughs> like, you really are. Y'all think they out here robbing y'all for this stupidness because you thinking this is what's working. But we have to communicate. And I think there's too much talking across from what would be my generation to the younger generation and not enough trying to figure it out because all the old heads would love to understand this, this digital age. Mm-hmm. You know, and everybody in the digital age needs to understand the business side that we know. 
in the mistakes that we made. And we got to figure out, but that's the problem, even it's just as blacks. We got to bridge, bridge that gap. We got more of us have to become more mentors mm-hmm. in our community. We have to give back because if we don't give back, it, this gap is just going to keep getting wider and wider and they're going to keep dumping bullshit off on records. Like, and we're not going to have no control. Of, we're not going to control our own narrative, which is really the problem. We should have more. Realistically, today, we should have more control of, of the music that goes in our community, mm-hmm. the music that's coming out. We should have more. Distribution is easier than it's ever been. There's less gatekeeper. I, like, honestly, during the pandemic, I prayed. I was like, yo, somebody, just an artist or two. Like, I would do anything for a new public enemy. I would Ooh. die for an Ice Cube right now. I would die Man. for an artist that had the balls to stand up and call shit like it is and not just play that game and worry about it. I would manage him to the end of time if he was willing to step up. But that's not what anybody wants to do. Everybody wants to figure out how they can get in, get rich, get some jewelry, get some bitches. Get rich and die trying. Yeah, like, I just think that as a a community, we have to find a way to pull this shit together. Because really, all we're doing is making a bunch of white people even richer. Man. Universal Universal is worth six billion now, something. No, like 10, 12 billion. 12 billion now. That's all of us. So we got to figure out and get more control. We need to get control of our... Even before, we were like, yo, you need to control radio. Ain't nobody listening to radio right now. So how come we still having the same message? Now we, you know, now we, now narrative's being controlled by tech people. They determine what we do now. I mean, I'm not... Like, they, they, can term, they determine us. But I just tell you, the answer is I don't, I don't care about a following. But I do care if you know who you're talking to. And at the end of the day, if it's one rapper on the top 10 list of Forbes every year, and he has 1.6 million followers, and that's Tech 9 He is a prime example of monetizing and leveraging your own influence. While we're so busy chasing the big shit, we should be focused on niche, niche markets. When Outkast came out, I didn't know that Outkast was going to be the biggest rap group of all time. I didn't know that, honestly. I just knew that they represent Southern yeah, Playlist yeah. Cadillac Funkin' Music, and that was all I needed. That that was the niche. The niche was Southern Playlist of Cadillac Funky Music. What was the second album called? AT Aliens. They first two albums was dedicated, first two album cycles was dedicated to establishing Atlanta and everything else. So I don't care about that. I, but you do have to know who your audience is and how to get to them. Because right now, there's nothing that Blue nor myself can do to amplify you outside of show you how to amplify yourself today. Like, it doesn't, XXL don't want to put you in a magazine if you have no relevance. Like, everybody, here's what I would tell artists. Create the story, then tell it. Mm. Everybody wants to tell the story. Like, I dropped the song. If the story you're trying to tell is I dropped the song, we lost. Right. The story needs to be, I dropped the song and had 500 girls show up outside my studio because they love my song so much. That's the story you tell. But nobody wants to wait to that moment. Mm. But that moment requires taking Time out and focusing on building your shit. Like, we both music executives sitting down having a conversation because we're trying to educate and build. And that's what you got to do. You got to really be willing to take the small steps because that's the new way to win in the business. No more, no more leaps. The only leap you can get is if Drake or somebody like that say you hot and jump on your right. Like Ice Spice, what he did for her. But even, does that even matter? It she, doesn't. It doesn't. No. Three months from now, she fucked it up. Kid. She fucked it up, though. She got a new song that's trending right now. She's good. She's she's all right. Okay. Ice, Ice will be okay. No, I'm just saying. I'm just. My thing is this. Is I'm that, sorry. I get sensitive about New York. No, 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 no. I'm just no, saying. No, no. I, no I, I agree with you saying, but what I'm telling you is that to me, it feels like. Wait, how do you think she messed it up? Because I think that what happened was was that, she, well, I, from what I know, Drake dissed on the album. 
You told me he wasn't talking about her. From what I, I know, from what she said, she responded. But here's what I'm. But here's my point, though. My point is this: is that the worst thing you could do is smell your own shit. Don't smell your own shit. At the end of the day, dog, Michael Jackson was the most famous human being on earth outside of Jesus. No, I'm dead serious. Like, yeah, I don't know what fucking yeah. Caesar looks like. I don't know what Caesar looks like. I'm dead serious. Like, dog. But I guarantee you 300 years from now, every kid in the world is going to know what Michael Jackson looked like. He's one of the most famous human beings ever. And when he died, the music business went on. Dog, the music business is going to go on with or without you. So if you are blessed to be in this shit, you better show that appreciation by honoring your relationships. If, a, if an artist call you, fuck with them. I got a rule in business. I don't flirt if I'm not going to fuck. Don't show up if you don't show up if you know I'm gonna use you gonna use them because they gonna figure it out, and when they figure it out, you the enemy now. You can get dissed on the song. So I don't know what happened, but I'm just saying. To me, I felt like it felt like she was this, and now it feels like it's kind of like imploding a little. I think she's the perfect example of what I mean. I think that she's the the carrot they dangle out here so that another hundred thousand girls out here think they can be her. Mm. That's my problem with the ice spikes and the glow realers. Them, it's not. I don't have anything personal against them. The game is using them to keep the next bunch of girls thinking that, oh, that can be me. That's the dangerous. Because of those 100,000 girls I hear that think they can be her, 99,000 of them absolutely can't. And now because they're focused on being her, they're not going to nursing school. They're not paying attention in school. They're not doing other things they should be doing. And that's the danger of somebody like an Ice Spice because she wasn't ready for the success. We all watched the performances. We all saw that. She wasn't ready. Now, she's been trying to get off for a minute. Why isn't she ready for when the moment comes? Which, what's was the she issue? ready? Cardi wasn't ready either. You seen her first BT performance? Right. It was horrible. Horrible. Right. They get ready when they need to. And I'm, just, when she gets I'm only asking stage, you, could you said that? I, and I'm responding. Why well, Cardi got to do this? I'm, but I'm telling you, sometimes, because <laughs> she didn't expect Bodak to go the way it did. Sometimes. But when it did, it, she caught up. Because she had to when she got no, on the stage. Some, but BET no. was her some first artists performance don't, Some artists don't know that they have to. Yeah, some artists don't. See, you're right. Them. Some artists don't realize. If you got, they, I show them for 20,000. They sing my word, word for word. You don't realize that that's the peak. The only way you get through it, it's like, the only way you break through that fucking glass ceiling is by continuing to do the work. That's all I'm saying. I agree. And okay. that's why some, look, you look at Coy Ray. Just use the example. Two million followers, had a hot record. Everything was supposed to be good. We were supposed to add an artist that was going to open up on tour for her. The tour didn't go no place because she wasn't selling tickets because she's, she's an influencer mm. and not a real artist yet. Mm. You know, and I think what's happening is they're, they're now dangling influencer in front of everybody and it's stopping people from... We can't afford to all be chasing the same apple. Mm. Is all I'm saying. All of us can't be trying to be the same thing. And it feel like everybody's just trying to... Get hot and get rich. Mm -hmm. Quick. Nobody's somebody trying to build. Somebody has to manage the person that's getting hot and get rich. Someone has to do the books or somebody, the person get rich. Somebody has to be the digital content creator. We don't even appreciate all the other parts of it because everyone wants to be. It used to be the artist was the artist. I see more managers doing interviews now. I see more like no, no one wants to play that fucking position anymore. Nobody stays in their lane. If I meet one more person with seven hyphens behind, like that. You can't. You have to, like, you have to, look, Tiger Woods will tell you, anybody will tell you, any business person will tell you, you need to be good at one thing first. Before you do anything else, you need to be good at one thing first. I was the best manager in this fucking game 
before I did Idlewild. Then I started doing other shows and other stuff. But on the management side, I made sure I was on point. People ain't even getting good at the the game they're playing, and they trying to do three more games. Why? Because social media has made everything look like it's popping. Everybody got eight streams of income. We all in here. Everybody in this room <laughs> knows Alex that owns that owns the clubs yeah. down here. We all. Alex started parking cars. Valley Parker. He turned the car parking business in Atlanta into an yeah. empire out here. And he's the reason y'all paying sixty dollars to go park your car. It's a hundred now. Yeah. Hundred is minimum. And I and I will say this: Why don't y'all just Uber? At hundred dollars, it's time to Uber to the club and get an Uber Black. Not, you can look like. I ain't gonna lie. Sometimes, sometimes you pull up. And you don't know what's about to be, and you like, yo, what's oh, up, my man? How much you part? And they be like, hundred dollar. And you like, God darn it! And, and you like, if, if I say I ain't got it, they gonna look at me like broke ass nigga. You like, it's like hundred dollar. So I'm like, where the fuck I park at there? <laughs> you got a cash app, nigga? I send you the money right now. <laughs> Sometimes that's really why you do it because they be like, only reason suck. why. Look at your car, oh, hundred dollar. You probably don't have that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to buy your car? I'm just saying. But Alex mastered that part. Then he bought a club. And he learned to master the club and the promotions. And in that, he learned how to do VIP it's sections. Up, yeah. And he grew it. And, and he, he grew his company. And now, a, like, his company is a promotions company. They do shows in different cities. Concerts. Like he was good at one thing. People don't get good at what they're doing. Like, assistants don't want to be assistants long enough to learn how to be a proper assistant. Interns don't want to intern long enough to learn what they came to intern for. Like, you have to get... Everybody in some place. <laughs> shit, I don't even talk no more. I'm like, everybody want to be Mark Zuckerberg talking shit. I'm, he's right. Nobody wants to do the time to learn and master their craft enough to really be great. Mm-hmm. But greatness is what lasts. The people that are still around that have been here 30 years are because they were really good at what they did. And that's why L.A. Reid can go and get another $250 million from somebody because he was really good. You got to... It's, it's a microwave society now, but you got to slow certain parts down and really master your craft and be the best tech you're going to be. Be the best cameraman you can be. Who was the best cameraman? What made that cameraman good? Study what you do. At the very least, don't let me come in off the street and know more about what you do. Oh, I like that. Right. I like that. Learn what you do, and, and I think that all translates to music and everything else that we're doing. And this is me who's sitting in the room learning from him. Mm-hmm. I don't mind. That's another thing we don't have. We don't have enough respect Blue didn't know I knew who he was. I knew who he was. But it's my point. It's like, I don't give a fuck what's going on. You send me an artist, nigga, I'm stopping to listen like it's 2000. Hey, shit. Blue sent me a record. I'm about to listen to this shit. I don't even, no, real talk, because I have so much respect for what I've done and what we do that I want to make sure that he knows it. He don't know me from Adam. We don't, but I want to make sure he knows I respect him and what he's done. And this is an honor. Like, we don't have enough of that. We don't have enough of that. All right, so in closing, um, what is some advice that you want to give to the next generation of managers out there? I'm going to ask three questions, though, okay. so it's not the last one. Um, to, the next, to the next generation of managers out there, learn, learn your craft. Learn, learn who the managers before you were. Learn who Elvis's manager was. Learn who Irving Azoff is. Learn the struggles of the managers because they could give you roadmaps. Mm-hmm. Um, when Outcast walked away from being Outcast, I didn't know what I was doing next. Like I was kind of, I just poured twelve years of my life into making them a certain thing, um, and I had to figure out like, so what's next, you know? Um, so I had to tap into the past. I studied. Um, there's a gentleman named Irving Azoff. He's, he's my idol on the management side. Um, Irving used to manage a group called the Eagles. 
The Eagles broke up back in 1977 when they were the biggest group in the world. And so by studying how Irving reacted to it, I was able to kind of plot a path on how I can survive. So you study your craft, no matter what your craft is. I get annoyed meeting artists and hip-hop didn't start with Lil Wayne. I don't care if he was born in 2000, 1998, the shit went way before then. So study your craft, learn your craft, learn who the players are. One of the best things that Shaquem ever taught me was, and this is when we used to have BRE and all yeah. these magazines and stuff. So learn who the players are. Know who Leo Cohen is. Know who Ebro is. Know who the people that are really moving the needles. So that if you happen to be sitting next to them one day, you can have an intelligent conversation. So take the time to educate yourself. Learn your craft. And then be fearless. Like the best part about being youthful is that you can fail and it's not going to be in the world. But Man. you took the shot. Like, don't be scared to take the shot and don't rely on nobody else for your shot. Make your shot happen. Make your shot happen for your artists. Know how to, young managers should know how to run into a building if your artist is signed to a label and burn that motherfucker down for your artist, but show back up the next day and help build that back up and make sure they understand, I respect you, but I fight hard for my artists. Like, make sure people understand, I'm going to kill for my artists, but no disrespect to you, what you do, your job, but I fight hard for my artists and people will respect that. And as young managers, understand that you are going to get cold. Yes. This heat don't last for nobody. Like, it might go good for a long time, but be prepared for the, the, the downs as much as you're enjoying the ups. Love that. Thank you. That was really good. Um, when it's all said and done, what do you want your legacy to be? Um, it's strange. I'm 53 now. Um, I never thought about legacy until, like, the last couple of years. And I think in hip-hop, my legacy is good. Like, I don't talk about it, but the reality is I put this out on the map. I dare people to challenge me to it. I have Outkast and Youngbloods, the two biggest rap groups in Atlanta history, technically, if you want to go by sales. Um, I've given a lot to... I grew up on Cedric Avenue, the birth of hip-hop. I'm not from around hip-hop. I'm not, I literally grew up on Cedric where hip-hop started. So mm. I've given most of my life to hip-hop. Mm. Um at this point, though, that's not the legacy that I want. I think the legacy that I'm working moving forward is what I learned from, like, my hip-hop experience and how I'm able to give that back and teach and share the wisdom because you can't take any of it with you. So, you know, how do you teach um, and help self-correct the course that hip-hop has taken? Um, so I really want my legacy. Look, I'd, I'd love to earn the... the the ability to be the next Clarence Avon. Clarence is 80-something. So my, my aspirations are to find a way to be somebody that took, built on the success that I had and was able to mentor the next generation of people to their success and expand and grow on it and stuff like that. I think, um, and I'll shorten it, but I think too many of my peers, too many of us that came up, if you look at our tree, tree because it just fits for me, but... <laughs> If you look at the fruits of our trees, who or what are the people that came up under you doing? You know, Barku, who was my right hand, is now running Essence. She's one of the biggest people over at Essence. Every one of my assistants that's ever been assistant is either managing successfully or they're working and doing something that has grown. Um, sometimes you go look at that LaFace staff and we'll figure out where all of them are. You know, you know L.A., and everything was always about L.A., but did he groom enough of his team to be – LaFace was Motown. When you came in the game, when we all came in the game, the Motown staff 
they were scattered all throughout the industry. Mm-hmm. They they had the people that had broken Diana, Diana Ross. All that, they were every building needed one. That's not the same. We we didn't. I don't think we did enough grooming. So I think at the end of the day, my legacy moving forward is that I I, I could self correct that and kind of leave a legacy of grooming and and helping. I love that. Um, okay, so do you consider yourself a goat or underdog? I'm gonna say goat. He, he, I'm just gonna say it for him. But go ahead. Um, we ain't never answered that question for nobody. He jumped it. Goat. Burgoat. Virgo. Oh, excuse me. Put that on a shirt. We We got to sell those ones. Yeah, exactly. Virgo, we going. That's trademarked already. Don't y'all try and don't nobody try and move quickly here. Right. Um, goat. Ego wise, if you if you push me and you make me stand there and really flex on what I've done, I'm gonna goat you to death. Like, <laughs> like, period. Like, that's just, I'm just, there's three that. or four of us that have done what I've been able to do, which is, it's not manage one artist to success. I've managed seven or eight artists to platinum success. Yeah. I've built careers. You know their name because of me. Their brand exists because of me. Mm. But that's not what I'm here to do. That's not that, you know, you flex all day. <laughs> um, underdog, because most of us aren't supposed to be here. We weren't supposed to make it to 50. I honestly didn't know what life after 50 looked like. And I had to realize, oh, shit, I need to sort of plan this differently, and I need to figure out how to correct. So I think I'm still an underdog because I'm trying to do it with integrity. I've always done it. Certain Mm. things have not been for sale. My ass is not for sale. My integrity is not for sale. Mm. So my journey, I'm not as rich as a lot of my peers have been I'm not because I'm not going to do certain things, and certain things are not negotiable. So underdog because I'm trying to continue that, way of living and always being able to walk with my head up everywhere I go. I don't have no problems. I'm good in the streets everywhere on this planet. Mm. You drop me in South Africa, I will be good tomorrow. They know me. Like, so for me, underdog, because I'm, I still think I'm still fighting to get to another level. I like that answer. Ray, do you have any questions before I ask the last one? Okay, yeah, good. At this point in time, I tell you I wasn't going to talk too much. I was going to let them talk. I've never been as quiet before. I'm just listening. Go ahead. All right, so just in closing, what's next for you? What do you have planned next? Um, so I went to a historically black college called Central State University. Um, my man, at Cortez, they used to manage Wayne, um, actually kind of inspired me to go back to my school, and I'm trying to – work on a kind of school for business introductory type of course to the entertainment Love industry. Um, I'm going to drop a book on management because no one's done the management book. Like everybody has their books, but no one's come from the perspective of what we came through and kind of can give that perspective. I'm buying 10. There's 10 people in this room, my team. I'm <laughs> buying 10 as soon as it's done. Um, I'm okay, let's go. TV show. I got like a couple of TV shows. Um, I'm doing a show on DJs because they've never gotten the, the proper light that they should get. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got a girls group called Vanity Rose that I think needs, like, I promised them that I would get them right. Um, I don't know how much more management I'll do after that, but I promised them that I'll get them right. Um, constantly trying to convince Dre that we should do one more tour. Um, it's not happening. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah, it's one more thing. Um, and like I said, I think that, like more of us that need to step into leadership roles. Um, I'm tired of turning on the CNNs and all these places and they got these weirdos talking like they are us or they live the culture and stuff. So 
some of what I was taught, which is kind of lay in the back, I have to kind of get out of that and kind of step more into the spotlight and, and not be scared to speak up for the culture. The reality is when Kyrie was getting attacked, who, who spoke up for him? Nobody spoke up. Like our problem is black people right now is that everybody can attack us and half of us join in with the people attacking us. Mm-hmm. The other half don't say nothing. And I think we have to stop that. We have to start stepping out in front of some of ours and protect ours and figure it out better. So, you know, I think I'm uh, moving forward. I'm just going to try and step a little more into the spotlight than I usually have been. Well, it's we time. appreciate for having you here. Hopefully, this is the first step on your spotlight journey. Um, Ray, you got anything you want to say? Let's just give it up for Blue, man. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to shut up. I'm going to let him talk. I can't wait to watch this interview for myself. Yeah, it was so good. Thank you. It was a pleasure to have you here. Thank nah, you. Thank you guys for having me. You guys are a great team, great energy. And I, I do want to say, the reason why it's like, because I needed to know your yeah. opinion. Like, you can't, I don't know yeah. anymore. Like, literally... This is a different game yeah. than I've known. Yeah. So I need to ask you, same way I asked my 20-year-old nephew in yeah. college. Like, I think you got to – don't stop learning, man. That's all. Oh, never stop learning. Never stop learning. Like, you, you realize how much you don't know. Like, just keep reading, keep looking. The internet is the greatest thing that we don't – look, we are the baddest thing on the internet. We can make the yeah. best jokes, memes, anything, but we skip over what it's really for. It's for information and knowledge, and we should be tapping into that all the time. So, you know, I appreciate you – you know, making yourself available. Nah, I told him, I, and we and we ain't even finished. And by the way, I on record, I'm gonna help him with Vanity Rose any way I can, for a fact. Aww. Period. Love that. I'm just because it's like we we don't we don't know how to preserve ourselves, and the way we preserve ourselves is by helping each other. That's how we survive. I always say one day my son is gonna walk in the room and he gonna say my name is Raymond Daniels, and they gonna treat him how they treat him based on who his dad was. Mm-hmm. Because when I walked in and said, my name was Raymond Daniels, they was like, cool, go we'll sit your ass in the corner and go do what I tell you. My, you know what I'm saying? So for me, it's all about, you know, just making sure that we, we leave something better than this shit. Because it's a miracle that every last one of us in this room is here. Mm-hmm. Amen. It's a fucking miracle. I agree. So Let's once again, you guys are tuning into The God Show. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. See you next week. Let's go. Good shit, man. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.